What's up, Georgia football fans? My name is Scott Duvall, and you are listening to episode 299 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. This is the Orange Bowl postgame show, and my two co-hosts, Tony Waller and Will Leach, they jumped on a call earlier today to share their thoughts on the 34-11 victory by Georgia over Michigan. It's a short episode here, but it's full of a few unique insights from Tony because he was at the Orange Bowl, and he reports on a few tailgating observations from tailgating in a parking lot in Miami Gardens, Florida, and really the overall vibe of the game, especially uh, coming from the Wolverine fans. So uh, you'll certainly enjoy that. I enjoyed editing this podcast. And a programming note, we'll be back recording our national championship game preview show this coming Wednesday evening. And think about this. We started this podcast back in 2015, and it's just pretty cool that it ends up being our 300th episode that we will be previewing the Georgia National Championship game versus Alabama. But let's finish the Orange Bowl discussion first. And without any further delay, here's Will to kick things off. Hello. Happy New Year, America and Bulldog Nation, as you may or may not be known. I am Will Leach, here with Tony Waller to discuss the Orange Bowl on New Year's Eve, in which the Georgia Bulldogs, I would argue, not only played their best game of the year, but really, probably their best game I feel like I've seen them play. Uh, I mean, Tony, you've got more history than I do, but uh, I don't know if you can play a better play a better football game than that. Uh, Georgia stomped Michigan 34-11, to should have been 34-3. to in uh, a thoroughly dominating performance from start to finish, answering, we'll see about answering questions. There's another game coming up uh, that we'll be previewing this week. But uh, first off, Happy New Year, Tony. You are back from being in uh, in Miami Gardens. Not Miami, but Miami Gardens. Uh, tell me what you think of a, a uh, what I really consider, I don't remember seeing Georgia play better than that uh, uh, in, in really the time since I've been here. Yeah, I think probably this was the game that we'll, uh, if you had sat down, if you had told me Georgia could play this game on December the 7th, I'd been like, oh, I just don't see it. Right. And um, that's one of the things I learned about in the cold opens. Like, we got to make sure we don't let recency bias dictate everything we know because I don't think Alabama is as good a team as we saw at the SEC championship. And I don't think Georgia's as bad a team as we saw at the SEC championship. Frankly, I don't think Michigan's as bad a team as we saw Friday night in Miami. Um, I, I I will say though there were three things that really stood out: the physicality with Georgia approached the game. Um, I, I think there was a level of I don't know whether it's Baltimore material or just you know the Joe Moore Award for the offensive line and the the Burles Award for their coordinator, um, or what, or whether it's just like Georgia internally was like this is not this is not how we're letting the end of the season get written. That was the first thing. The second thing is, and I cannot state how much. Uh, I can't. Oh, I can't overstate this. Kirby Smart and Todd Munkin coached the game of their lives. Man, did Munkin pull all the right levers to make sure the offense was clicking? Every single thing that Michigan dialed up, we had an answer for. Uh, and that same goes defensively. Every time, I mean, the first play of the game was a K. McNamara run up the middle for what fifteen yards. Um, that wasn't there anymore because they just simply said, right, "Dean, won't you stay in the middle, and make sure that crap don't happen again." And the third thing to happen, and this will be this will dominate the conversation for the next nine days. No matter what happens, Stetson Bennett will always be the MVP of the Orange Bowl. And that is not a that is not he didn't backdoor into this. 31 passes, 300 and something yards, 
two touchdowns, including including one dime and one other really nicely thrown ball, kind of like with Cook slipping by his guy. It's the perfect combination of everything that you would hope to see out of this Georgia team. When I said back in September, October, this is the best Georgia football team of my lifetime. Um, and we'll get to what that means for next Monday night in Indianapolis uh, on our podcast this week. But for, for this particular game, everything worked perfectly. And as a result, I don't care. I, I, you know, one last thing I want to say about this. I, I kept mockingly saying, well, you know, obviously Michigan's not a good team. They lost to Georgia. But I think we need to stop with the. I'm, I'm willing to stop no matter what happens next week to stop saying Kirby can't win the big game or George can't win the big game. This was a big game. This was a, this was a, no matter what happens in, in, in Indianapolis, this was a, a program defining game because you lose this game and all kinds of things start going, right? You have to, not only do you have to listen to the whole offseason of it, there is, can Kirby get over the hump? And maybe you'll get that some, but as long as you're winning semifinal playoffs against the Big Ten champion, um, that buys you some leash. I mean, to me, the disorienting thing about this and was, I mean, they basically played Michigan, who has had this breakthrough season and just ran down the throat of Ohio State, which was the team we were most worried about, by the way, about Georgia potentially facing in the playoffs. They ran through Michigan like they were Vanderbilt, like they were Missouri, like they were Arkansas, like we like they were Florida, like we like we basically saw Georgia do all year. I think that was maybe the craziest thing about the game was, you know, other than the Alabama game, Georgia hasn't. I mean, the Alabama game was not very exciting because it went the other direction. But like we talked about, how like I, mean, I joked about how we're ready for an exciting game, and like no, just keep stomping down the throat. I. Whatever one's thoughts, Georgia was favored in this game, but I don't think the average person, even even the uh, the most uh, excitable Georgia fan, thought that Georgia would just stomp on Michigan the way they stomped on Vanderbilt. I mean, this could have been worse. <laughs> like this could have been really worse in a lot of ways. To see them call to see them call off the dogs like they're playing Vanderbilt early in the third quarter of a playoff game is, is quite something, right? Like the last time they were in a playoff was that Oklahoma game, which I believe, I don't remember if they were fair. I feel like there was a very, it was close to even in that game, but Oklahoma like took off that big lead. Right. And like, like that game was so exciting and so fun, but it still felt like, you know, Georgia, if, if it was not an underdog, at least had the odds against them. This felt like they were playing Vanderbilt. It felt like they were Vanderbilt in the college football playoff. And that is, a remarkable, remarkable thing. And so much of it came in from the thing that we talked about in the preview show, which was the reason I did not think Michigan was going to win this game was the thing that they were going to need to do was run the ball on Georgia, on Georgia's offense, on Georgia's defense. And that was not happening. And there were a lot of great players in this game, but this to me, sets of it was great. And, and obviously he was great. And I don't want to minimize that, but this was the Kobe Dean game. Right. Like this really oh, felt yeah. like oh, this, yeah. this really felt like like this was his Roquan, right? <laughs> like this was the this he had his Roquan moments in this game. Like the it to watch what he did, he was everywhere all over the field consistently. I actually love that sack that he got because you can see him calling out the play beforehand. And oh, like, yeah. it, like it was, it was just really, really fun. Like, you know, with this defense has been obviously great all year. Uh, th they were great, but also like super, super fun in this game. Right. You know, that was, that was the thing that I felt like 
I feel like this game was the football equivalent of Jordan Davis conducting the band. <laughs> like they were just having a blast. They were having an absolute blast in a way that showed off who they were and what they could be. And uh, it was, it was, it was, a, it was just a joyous, joyous game that was definitive from the get go. I have many friends that are Michigan fans and, you know, I'd like, and they were excited as, the, as well. They should be heading into the game. Uh, but like, it, it was like, it was like Vanderbilt. It was over. Georgia had two touchdowns before you knew it was going on. And if you've watched Georgia football all year, you're like, Oh yeah, this is what they do when they stomp for the next from a team there was not a moment after they got that second touchdown where i didn't realize well you didn't think oh wow yeah this is so we're, we're done here <laughs> like we're finished here it felt like every other game this season to do that against a team like michigan who was the number two seed and was a terrific team really all year it's something remarkable i'm not sure i'm ready to say that uh, uh this will get people off Kirby Smart's uh, back for a big game uh, sort of deal. But uh, I, th- I hope that fans are able to appreciate what this game was uh, and what they were able to do. This is the platonic ideal uh, of Georgia football, no matter what happens Monday. No one will remember it if they lose Monday, and that's fine. But uh, for, for three hours, however much, this, this is what it's supposed to look like. Yeah, and I think the, I think the important part uh, about what you said about Nicobe Dean, um, I think the same could be say uh, say about Sawyer. Uh, the way he, the way the entire offensive line neutralized that pass rush. Um, the you know Stetson, why he got hit some, he stayed clean while passing. I think that made a big difference. But the other thing they did is they they were pretty shifty and you know, strategically. Um, what they did moving Cook outside some and uh, alternating the run the run plays, the halfback pass. Those were all things that were, um, they were all new looks that we have not seen all season. And um, you combine, you combine the Kobe Dean going from sideline to sideline and making a tackle for loss on a swing pass with, um, you know, Kendrick with two interceptions and um, the, the defensive line getting a good push. And basically, you know, there's no other way to put it. Georgia, Georgia did everything. Georgia did several things really, really well. Did everything well and nothing poorly. Um, and that is uh, with a team as good as Georgia. It doesn't matter who you play. You're probably going to win the football game. Um, I do want to. I do want to make a quick note about Michigan uh, and the fans in particular. Um, I was. I was surprised. Um, I, you know, I have. Um, we, my wife has some family that are, are Michigan fans, and I, you know, we were a little banter back and forth. Had a, we have a little. Um, I don't know some Sheboygan Brewery um, um, Blood Orange beer versus some, some Creature Comforts bet, which I won obviously. Uh, and I texted them. Uh, they, there, there was a lot of um, chatter pregame. Nothing, nothing mean spirited. Uh, nothing ill, ill tempered, other than just some back and forth. Um, so I texted him at the start of halftime. I said, "All right, I make it because he gave me seven and a half points." I said, "I make it fifteen. We'll go double or nothing." He was like, "No bet." Um, <laughs> and that is exactly the way it felt like with. Michigan fans in the stadium. There was a lot of chirping, uh, but they knew after that first touchdown drive, the look on their faces went from guys, we're going to go play for a national championship to, Hey, at least it's not 17 degrees in Miami. Um, (laughs) It was just that fast. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it, it was, again, it was, I'm not, it's hard to like put a game like that. Like I, I you, it, it, you felt bad for Michigan fans because I have to say I was talking to Texas one Michigan fan during the game and he wasn't even that mad 
<laughs> like, yeah. like, you know, I mean, yeah, and Michigan fans, uh, I don't know if you know any, they're kind of notoriously emotional. <laughs> like they get very, very dialed up. And it was just obviously getting, oh, we don't belong in the field with this team. And, you know, I was on uh, Champagne Radio on New Year's Day and they said, what is it about football in the South <laughs> I'm like, to make them these two teams obviously so much better? And obviously we have a game to preview. But, you know, as, as I kind of told them, like Georgia, this is what Georgia has been building toward. And I think that's that's the key thing to be to, to keep in mind. This is what Georgia has been building toward. Not necessarily what happens in the Alabama game on Monday, right? Or a week from Monday. It's they've been building toward to be able to do this, uh, to be able to do that. And I do want to talk about Bennett a little bit because I do feel um that you know it's funny. I I I I texted you guys during the game uh when McIntosh through that pass, I actually gasped (laughs) because we spent so much time talking about trick plays and it really felt like it felt like, like Munkin. I'm glad you brought that up because like Bennett was great in this game. He obviously was great in this game, but I do feel like there's this idea that like uh, Munkin made the great decision to put the ball game in Bennett's hands, which I guess is technically true, but like really the, like that does, does a disservice to the pacing of those first two drives and the way that was put together, like obviously a lot of it was scripted, but it felt perfect. Like it felt like, like it, it felt like someone who had a cheat code and knew exactly what they were doing. Michigan, like Michigan's got a good defense and they didn't stand the chance because they were constantly off balance. They were constantly moving around. And to have that be the culminating play of that, uh, I, th- I thought it was funny that apparently he messed up the pass in practice all week because <laughs> it was a perfect pass. That was the sort of play where you're like, oh, wow, Munkin is on such a heater right now. Just roll with it. And it was, it was, I have to say that might've been one of my favorite offensive play of the year just to realize oh like it was, it's like watching remember that scene in uh in 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 blue chips where larry, where uh rick barry hits like eight like, like 33 yeah. pointers in a row and larry bird says hey do you ever miss that's what it felt like with that monkey thing it felt like oh he like whatever play call he makes it's the right one right now yeah it was uh it didn't hurt that uh the georgia executed at I mean, the, I think the the best example of that it, you can find is on the one pass where Stetson did Stetson stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the bad Stetson stuff was like the throw across the body over, back over into the middle. Um, it was you know, it was four inches out of the touch of the the, uh, uh, the the safety and you know dead in the middle of the two bracketed um, cornerbacks. You know that's that's the kind of day you're having. Listen. When the most, when the most animated the coach comes becomes about your play and the play of your part of the team is when um, the the head coach and the offensive co- coordinator and quarterback are all on different pages about pacing of the end of half. Um, that's a pretty good game. Yeah, and oh yeah, and also don't pour Gatorade on him. He doesn't like that either. By the way, well, I thought. By the way, I was. Um, I was pretty excited about that because I was really, I was ecstatic. Like at the end of the game, like, listen, just from a game feel, it was awesome being there and having the, the being a foregone conclusion in a big game. Right. Um, I, I know we've talked about this time and again, it's like, listen, I know people like, give me a great game. No, give me that game. Give me that game. So I can, I can be happy for two straight hours because <laughs> it was um, like, we got to the fourth quarter and I'm like, Okay, I, I'm still doing the you know, you still do that bargaining thing. I was like, okay, here's how this could go wrong. And once 
once you know Michigan, I, I think they turned the ball over on downs. No, that was the last. That was the last drop. Whatever it was, early in the fourth quarter, maybe. Um, I was just like, listen, just let's just let's just get this. And so it's so nice being at being at that sort of atmosphere, that sort of game, and seeing the other team leaving with ten minutes left in the game. Um, and I will not pretend like uh, the I will not pretend like that was a better this was a better experience, a better game than the Rose Bowl. But good lord, it's so much easier on you. How was the vibe? How was the vibe though? You were the only one of the three of us that were there. What was the vibe like? So I I will I will freely admit that I am I am not the biggest Miami fan. Um, I if you listen to the last podcast, I had some comments about where the stadium is in relation to actual Miami, mm-hmm. uh, because it is literally in a parking lot. 25 miles from Miami. I mean, it's like if you were to put a parking lot at Gwinnett, at Gwinnett Place Mall, I mean, you were to put a, a stadium at Gwinnett Place Mall, uh, probably but with fewer businesses around, I guess is the right way of putting it. Um, so, you know, that's that's the downside. The good, the the, the other part of it, this was traditional Big Ten tailgating. Is no, there's there is a there is a reason why um, there's a reason why the Michigan fans felt at home there because. We were literally in a parking lot. I mean, <laughs> there, we were not in a warehouse parking lot with um, a rave going on. Uh, so it wasn't quite Columbia, South Carolina. Plus, it was 174 degrees. <laughs> uh, but that's what we, warm. You know, we were, did seem warm. It was it was it was pleasant. It was in the mid 80s. Um, but there was no humidity. I I, I, I wanted to I do have a, 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 nit, a nit to pick with um, some of these leads and a, a sticky, uh, sticky night in Miami. It wasn't. It was pleasant. Um, but. I will have to say, and I did not expect to say this, I was impressed with Hard Rock Stadium. Um, you know, you and I talk about uh, Truist Field with sight lines and that sort of thing. It very much had the feel of Truist Field. Ingress and egress is easy and awesome. They have multiple escalators and walkways up to all three levels. You're not being shuffled off going out. It probably helps. It's a smaller stadium. It also helps that. Um, 65% of the fans left with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. <laughs> um, but you know, it was, um, it, you know, we were in the upper deck in the end zone, eight or 10 rows from the top and we had good seats, which is not something you can say about a lot of stadiums. Um, but I was just, I was just really impressed with the stadium. Uh, it was clean. South sight lines were clean. It was, uh, it was a fun experience overall. Um, and there were, there were a good number of Georgia fans. We were sent some random hotel in Fort Lauderdale. A good Georgia number of Georgia fans and, and Michigan fans there. Um, and the tailgating scene was fine for a tailgate uh, in a parking lot. We certainly, we certainly were elite. I mean, we right. were. <laughs> you were elite. You got to be elite. That's that's key uh, for for this time of the year. Well, that was. Uh, I will say, I do like the tradition of uh, of of tossing oranges at people out of the bucket. <laughs> that's yeah, why I enjoy that cool. little post game thing. Uh, I would I would recommend, however, in the future when uh, Kirby Smart is on game day, uh, the the day after a big win like that, uh, just go ahead and just set the camera up on like uh, i don't know if they saw that interview but he did an interview where basically he seemed to have gotten out of the car and put the camera right underneath his chin and was walking like it's like you're on national television man like like i i frame up like this podcast better than that and i'm not on camera right now like so at a certain level uh i guess the guy's on a heater at a certain point but i i love i i did joy i have to say uh, my ongoing argument that uh, Stetson Bennett looks a little bit like a more athletic, muscular Timothy Chalamet. 
Uh, I thought I felt like uh, he looked that way a little bit post game. Just see, it's the eyes. There's something in the eyes. They're both wearing masks. I think you'd see it. Yeah. So I, I, what they, if ESPN was having a day, um, yeah, all all day. I I was watching whatever we were watching one of the ball games early while we we're eating lunch at the hotel, and the cryon had for a player. They put a player up, and the cryon had City Comma State. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Wow, man! Yeah, it's, I think it's. Uh, I think it's also maybe okay if Herb Street takes a little, like takes a day off. <laughs> like, like Herb, yeah, Herb he, Street didn't have a great day yesterday. Be fair, he had been in. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm sure he's been in Atlanta. He's been Atlanta, Miami, and then Pasadena. So, yeah, maybe a day off wouldn't hurt him. Yeah, I think so. Maybe a day off would not. Because he was not having any of those darn kids. Yesterday. Yeah, exactly. It was exactly. Not, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, he's starting to. I mean, he's like in his early fifties now. Like you know, it's it's it's. Yeah, he's, remember he's when he well, like, he got that job because he was like so young and handsome, and he was he's good. Like I think he was a good broadcaster, but like yeah, now it's like hmm, you know, you're looking like the rest of us. Um. Anyway. Um. All right. Yeah, so wait, yeah, once you hit your early fifties, you're done. So I didn't say you were done. I just <laughs> said you look like the rest of us. Um. Okay, so uh, we are taping for those of you that because I know we were uh, some were thought we maybe were a little bit late uh, uh, getting to the, uh, getting to the Michigan preview. We are taping Wednesday night. We are taping Wednesday night. I am leaving for Illinois on Thursday, uh, January sixth. Uh, so I uh, we are taping Wednesday, January fifth. We will be uh, and so we'll be we'll be taping that night. It'll be up uh, plenty of time, and we'll be able to discuss our travel plans because you are going, correct? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yes, and I will be there as well. Much to discuss at that time. We have a big, big preview show because, hey, hey, Tony, uh, they're playing Alabama again. Hey, I've heard, I've heard this story before. So yeah. let's yep. just rerun some of our other ones and save ourselves the um, save ourselves, save ourselves the heartache. Um, uh, no, I'm excited. Then. I'm fired up, guys. Guys, it's a national championship game. Okay, if you can't get excited about this, if if you have existential dread about playing a national championship game. I I hope you have existential dread every season for the rest of your life. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, Tony, uh, we'll be back Wednesday night to preview the big one. Here we are. Unbelievable. Happy New Year, man. And happy New Year, Will. And go dogs. Go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. Our 300th episode will be up sometime on Thursday morning. And in the meantime, make sure you follow us on Twitter at WSLS Podcast. And feel free to send us any thoughts, questions, or comments about the Georgia-Alabama National Championship game anytime between now and Wednesday evening. We'll, we'll say that because we're going to re- record it on Wednesday evening. And, uh, and yeah, links to our Twitter handle, our Instagram, and I'm going to put a special secret link. Yes, a special secret link as well will be in the show notes of this episode. So hope you have a great week. Happy New Year, and we'll see you on campus. Go dogs. Go dogs.